welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. Welcome to another chapter of Turn the Page, the official podcast of Syosset Public Library. I am Jen, your host for today, and I'm here with the author of a really great new graphic novel. Could I ask you to introduce yourself and your book, please? Hi, uh, my name is Bolaj Lurinci. I'm a Hungarian uh, comic book artist, but I live in Scotland for years now. And um, I'm the author, artist and writer of Donuts and Doom, which is an upcoming graphic novel from Top Shelf IDW, comes out in September. Great. Thank you. Um, yeah, I am also uh, a Top Shelf author, as we were uh, talking about a little bit before we started. And yeah. it's really exciting to see another great witchy book <laughs> from Top Shelf. Um, could I ask you, um, this is your first uh, published graphic novel um, and I'm wondering how you got to this point have you written before um, like what was your career like up to this point okay try to make it as short as possible and not that boring so I studied animation and then in my early 20s and then I went to study filmmaking as well but I decided not to pursue filmmaking because I preferred to sit at a table and stare at a computer mm. uh, so I Got a job in animation, which I've done for like a year and a half. And then after that, I've done freelancing, uh, mainly for illustration. And then I moved to Scotland. I tried to do illustration as well on the side, but I had to get a day job. And then it was a big gap. And after that, two years ago now, started drawing Donuts and Doom. And in the meantime, I was always doing comics on the side. We tried to do like a, a semi-regular online magazine in Hungary, which was over like 10 years ago now, mm. uh, almost. Um, it it kind of died down after a few issues. Um, and then I was doing like a couple of short things here and there uh, for, a, for a, I live in Dundee in Scotland and there was a Dundee um, based indie like publication for comics, which is like every three months or, or so called Treehouse. So mm -hmm. I've done a couple of short comics for that, but nothing, nothing longer than 23 pages at a time before mm -hmm. that. So during lockdown, uh, what was it? March 2020, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I started because I was furloughed from my day job. I started doing a little comic just to keep myself occupied and then after I finished that, I realized I miss drawing all the time and I need to draw all the time. So I'm just going to start drawing a comic and then let's see where it goes. I thought I'm going to do 50 pages of it or something and then put it up online and that's it. And then Donuts and Doom was the end product, basically. Mm. Happened to draw 130 pages. Wow. Yeah, that's a big jump from writing shorter comics. Did you find that there was... um? Was it a really different process for you writing something much longer than the shorter stuff you had worked on? Um, yes, but in a good way. So when I was doing comics before, I how to, how to put it, to, not to put myself down, but to explain it. Basically, I don't think I had the, the emotional maturity 
uh, to to write something like longer that has a proper narrative. And I always got bogged down in world building and trying to imitate artists that I liked or writers that I liked. Uh, and when when I uh, reached the point that I started doing Donuts and Doom, I was in a headspace when I think I was thinking more clearly and I could basically follow the rule of keep it simple, stupid. People <laughs> like to say when they write stories and I'm like, okay, I just need to write something that's like genre fiction that tells something really simple and clear and not try to get bogged down in anything else. So because I think mentally I hit that point, I, 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 I had less trouble of writing something longer. And also I wrote it in chunks as well. So mm -hmm. I had a starting point and I had an end point that I know I have to reach. But a lot of stuff in the middle kind of developed as I was um, right, like sketching up doing the thumbnails and all that. Like a good like 60 pages of the story in the middle is kind of like I came up with it as I was as I was thumbnailing. But I think because of the nature of the story, it fit in there. So I, I, I don't think that's noticeable. But that that helped me to kind of like finish this longer thing and not be like too intimidated by it. Mm, that's really interesting. And it's a, a cool way to approach a longer work to sort of break it up like that. Um, and something that I think you touched on that's really interesting is that, um, you know, making comics isn't always linear. You know, like there's so many phases and it's not like you finish one phase like thumbnailing and then go on to the next one and then go on to the next one. Like you can go back and forth between phases, you know. Oh, yeah. Um. So how do you like, yeah, what is like, how do you approach um, like time management when you're working on a big project like that? So that's a very good question because I just started to work on a new thing. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to thumbnail the whole thing. It's going to be whatever, 150, 200 pages. I'm going to blast through the thumbnails. And then I can just focus on the, the pencils and the inking and the colors and everything. Because that's that's my, that's my where I hit Zen. And that's why I'm like, okay, I just put on a podcast, put on an audio book, and just drawing. Don't, don't need to think. Thinking mm -hmm. is hard. Because <laughs> when, when I have to think of the dialogue and the story, that's when I'm like, okay, like this is it. This is when, when it comes out of my brain. It goes onto the page and, and that's it. And I need to make sure that I get it right. But when I started the new story, I realized I can't do that. I, I cannot do 200 pages of thumbnails. It just gives me anxiety. Mm -hmm. So I tend to follow, I do it in chunks. So when I started Donuts and Doom, I'd done like 10 pages at a time. Depends. I, 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 I meant to do it as a webcomic because I never thought anyone would publish it. So I went in like 10, 15 page sections. And when I hit around like page 90 or 80, I thought, okay, this is this is the, the end of the story, the big uh, third act. So I just blasted through that uh, 40 or so pages in, in a couple of weeks mm -hmm. doing the thumbnailing. But I felt more comfortable because I kind of knew that, okay, this is going to be the end of it. And I'm not just going to be sitting here for two months just mm -hmm. trying to sketch up thumbnails. But I usually so tend to go like 10, 15 pages, do thumbnails, do the dialogue on the page. I really need to see how the dialogue works on the page with the drawings. So I tend not to write detailed scripts before that. I have notes. I have like crucial dialogues written down, but that's it. Mm. I work it out on the page. So I'm going to get a good flow 
And then after that, I just do one by one every page in that section that I that I already thumbnailed up, do the pencils, do the inks, do the colors. And when I finish the whole story, I go back to page one and just correct everything that I don't like. See it with a fresh eye. Mm. Also, after after I you draw like a hundred plus pages, you depends on where you are with your art journey. If you are where I am, you're gonna be hopefully a better artist than you were at page one after mm. like page 130. So it's good to go for me, it was good to go back to the first page and be like, okay, I think I, I could have done this drawing better and just kind of adjust it. Mm, that's a really good point. Um, Cause I remember, you know, when me and my um, friend and art partner were working on a web comic, when it was into its later years, she would look back at the earlier work and be like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. Like it's not as good as it is now. And I would always tell her like, that's a good thing though. You know, like it, it would be, yeah. it would be much worse if the end of the comic four years later looked exactly like the beginning of the comic, you know, and, but that's a hard thing to incorporate into one work, you know, your progress as an artist. I, and I completely understand their feelings because I have the same, I think every artist has the same and they look back at something that they'd drawn just like a couple of years before and think like, oh my goodness, what was I thinking? Putting those lines on the page and then, because now they are so much better, but then you're going to think that two years after now, looking back at your current self as well. Mm, yeah, that's absolutely true. And it can happen in almost any medium, you know, because I started interviewing um, people like, almost a year ago. And when I went back to listen to my first episode, I was like, oh gosh, I was so nervous. I I was, uh, don't sound good. I wasn't asking good questions, but you know, like just by doing something a lot, you naturally get better at it without even trying, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. The, I, I very much know is that with art, you, it, it's one of the, what, what is saying, like, how many hours you have to put in 10,000 hours you have mm. to put in to get good at something. And I'm not, I don't necessarily agree with that with everything, but I definitely noticed that with my art, that the more I do it, the better I get at it. And hopefully I still going to get better because I still don't think I'm that good, but I think I'm good enough to do. Well, it seems like I'm good enough to do a comic book. Mm, I think so. <laughs> well, I top shelf thought so as well, thankfully. So <laughs> Um, so yeah, let's talk about this book because I, I enjoyed Donuts and Doom so much. Yeah, um, my favorite thing about it, I think, is all of the characters and their relationships because they're really fun, but they're also very real. You know, they're messy and they are, um, they change a lot and it's sometimes vague or, you know, ambiguous. And I'm wondering, like, um, you know, what came first for you? Was it the individual characters or was it the the relationships and the dynamics, if that makes sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it might be a disappointing answer, but the first thing that that, um, that I came up with was the first, well, the second scene technically in the shop, uh, the, the whole premise of the book. I had a, this short little story in, in my mind that was like, oh, it would be funny if uh, I used to work in a fast food place, just mm -hmm. to put it in context, for, for years. And uh, I was like, oh, it would be funny if a witch came in and had a, um, a moment there that many fast food um, customers have that they just kind of lose their temper 
because they couldn't get what they wanted. And mm. what would a witch do? Curse something. And I was thinking, oh, a cursed donut. Funny. <laughs> that was it. But the witch in my... I started sketching out the story, but it was nothing like Donuts and Doom. But I just, I just thought, oh, that's a good premise. I like that. It's it's fun. It's funny. But I had no idea where to where to take it from there. It took me like, I don't even know, maybe a year or so. I can't even remember. But when I've done a little short comic during uh, the period when I was furloughed, and that was like a short, sort of like a, a like a, a little romance story, nothing special. It was a, a guy dating a ghost girl. I'm like, oh, I like to do this. I like to just this like rom-com. I'm like, what if I do a rom-com, but with that premise I had, what can I do with it? Should I focus on the donuts journey? How it like <laughs> people interact with the donut? And I was like, or what if I just keep it simple, as I said, and just, okay, you have the employee who has to have an argument with the witch. What if, what if, what if they have a moment together? What if, and then that's, that's where it started. And I realized, okay, these two characters have to be the main characters and it has to be a romantic comedy with them. And after that, everything just kind of started emerging from that, like a, a primordial soup was the original concept and everything emerged from from that as as soon as i assigned the genre to the whole thing um i i could come up with other ideas and characters that fit that genre which is a way i really like to think i really enjoy uh, even when i talk about movies or any other medium when i can like explore like uh, the a genre and like what can you do breaking the boundaries of genres or just sticking within them i really like tropes as well Hmm. Yeah, I like that because I think that, you know, knowing a genre really well or being very familiar with all of the tropes in a genre um, can help you out even when you want to go against those tropes. You know, it's like you have yeah. to know the rules before you break them a little bit. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I love that the way that this book plays with genre because it is you know, a rom-com and it's really fun, but it doesn't like start out that great for our two main characters. Like they don't really have a, a meet cute. Like it's more of like a meet bad or like, a you know, a, a like it's, a, they, they get off on the wrong foot, you know, but I think the story does a really good job of showing how like first impressions aren't necessarily everything and that you can, you know, relationships change. They don't have to like remain the way that they start, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They, they go on a bit of a, a personal journey but it's yeah it's more of a not a meet cute it's a kind of the the enemies to lovers type of thing mm-hmm. that that's the the big trope a couple of years ago i think in ya fiction was a big thing but it's still to this day like enemies to friends or enemies to lovers i i love that trope mm-hmm. I, I i don't know why just the dynamic of that like how much they hate each other and then it turns into something else that's what i tried to play with and then the book i i was working on after that was even more so that because I just enjoyed that setup so much that I tried to push it even further. Mm, that's really interesting to me because, um, you know, it like it, it is interesting that the way that they meet, you know, they are sort of like enemies at first, but like even anger or hatred or not, you know, or just like frustration are like very strong emotions very strong like attachments to another person you know so it does like create a connection in a weird way that can then like the nature of that connection can change um I love the main characters like they're so much fun and I'm wondering how you um you know obviously like 
how did you choose to have the focus be magic and also music? Because one of the main characters is a, a musician. Yeah. Uh, well, magic stuff is like one of my favorite like subgenres or like settings. Uh, you can do a lot of things with magic. Like I love other subgenres as well. Like science fiction is great. But I always felt more comfortable with magic. And also it gives me like that cozy feeling, especially like fantasy and urban fantasy, like love urban fantasy settings. Um, so I, I knew that I, I want to do something like that because I feel most comfortable drawing real life things. Although I, I would love to do like, you know, medieval type fantasy as well one day. Um, but so, okay. So like, like I was thinking, okay, I, I want to do something that's like current day or fairly modern times at least put magic in it because that just spices things up makes things more interesting i really like witches as just one of those things i see any type of like story has a witch in it i'm like interested or like uh, right the get go but i love all type of magical creatures i always loved them even when i was little mm -hmm. and i was freaked out by vampires or, or werewolves in movies i still i was like attracted to them so I'm I'm trying to do like further stories as well with those type of creatures. Mm. Uh, sorry, I, the question got away from me. <laughs> I kind of just uh, rambling here. No, that's okay. I really like where uh, it went, and I think you're you know music. Sorry, sorry. I remember the rest of the question. Music. Mm. <laughs> so so yeah, um, I, I used to play music. Used to be in bands. So Elena's story with her whole struggle with her band is kind of like it comes from personal experience so that's why i was like okay things i like magic which is and things i know about some know some things about music because you're supposed to write about what you know or, or at first at least so mm -hmm. that's where it came from basically oh cool okay yeah that makes a ton of sense and i i think that even the pairing like magic and music together like is a very interesting and useful like comparison because they are like kind of alike in some ways like they are passions yep. for the people who pursue them they kind of like create something out of nothing you know and they are like um uh yeah both like complex arts you know that you like devote your life to and I think it's nice to see two characters who are like developing a relation with each other but also have a really strong passion for what they do with their life yeah, that, that was that was important to me to both of them have have something going for them to create like an equal dynamic because both have their personal issues, but both of them have a field that they are like talented in. Mm -hmm. So that they won't feel like that one of them is kind of the, the, the cool girl and the other, other one is the lame one. Both mm -hmm. have their strengths and weaknesses. Maybe Margot have uh, the, the witch one have a bit more weaknesses, but ultimately when it comes to her chosen field, what she's good at, she's really good at it. Yes, absolutely. And I think that even, you know, Margot's weaknesses um, are like a very nice compliment to Ella. Is it Elena or Elena? Elena. Elena. Uh, you know what? Don't, don't ask me. I just wrote it down. So <laughs> English is my second language. I say Elena. Okay. That's what I said in my head too, when I was reading. So, <laughs> um, and, you know, like they, they are good compliments for each other because Margot is is really talented, but she's kind of insecure in her talents and she's very nervous about performing. And Elena um, has a lot of confidence, <laughs> you know, and yeah. a lot of talent and is not a really afraid of performing. <laughs> yeah, she just have those barriers that, that that was one of the parts when 
I, I really kind of dug down uh, in my memories, like how it went for us. And that was, to me, the, the things I can most relate to when I was coming up with the characters. Like, she's good at it. She's better than I was when I was in a band, but still can get the band to, to go in, basically. Can book, like, gigs, can get people to, to go to their gigs. And that's one of those, like, barriers that I think a lot of creative... Str- and I still struggle with it to this day with my art to get to, to, to put your art in front of an audience mm. and that that was a thing that when i was doing a band that we really struggled with so mm. i thought okay i'm gonna take that part because i very well know it and give that that little character arc to elena so that that's gonna be her struggle mm. yeah i think that they their their journeys or their struggles complement each other in very interesting ways um <laughs> And I'd like to talk a little bit about um, something that you touched on before on the the magic aspect and the world building, um, because I I love um, I, I also love stories about magic and witches, and I really love when those magic stories are placed in like realistic settings and in like even urban settings. You know, like the, the sort of like uh, they live in like a bustling uh, little like town, um, and so I'm wondering like. How do I phrase this? Just put it as bluntly as you can. <laughs> what was your um but what was your approach to world building and how did you decide which details to include and which ones not to? Uh, my most dreaded question. <laughs> my approach to wor- world building was not to world build. Because mm. uh, as I mentioned earlier, when I was younger, I was really impressed by um comic book authors or, or prose authors or, or directors or whatever, um, screenwriters who can like do really good world building with really like high concepts. Mm. Like I was really into like comic books like um, Planetary from Warren Ellis mm. and uh, just trying to trying to think like Alan Moore stuff, you know, like, it's, like super elaborate like words like Alan Moore's uh, top 10. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you read that. Mm. But, you know, like huge, huge worlds. And I thought, oh, I want to do this. But then at the end of the day, I barely managed to put together a narrative because uh, because I was so bogged down with like, what should I include? What should be the cool thing mm. in it? So when, when I started to come up with uh, Donuts and Doom, I thought, no, no world building. I, I, I only going to world build as much as I have to for the whole story to work. So I was halfway through it or or even further when I was trying to think back at some things like like for example the whole i don't know if you remember that there's a whole little bit about um familiars yes <laughs> when margot explains how familiars work and why her snake familiar is so intelligent and that was kind of like on the fly because i'm like okay that would fit here and it would kind of explain why why the snake is so friendly and mm. um, but i didn't come up with it before I started writing the whole story. It wasn't like an integral part. Uh, the integral parts were the personal journeys and what they have to, what steps they have to go through to reach their their uh, destination in the third act. Every other like world building was just what I had to do. So there are a lot of questions I think that you can, it's a simple story. It's like 130 pages. It's a fluffy, breezy story. But if you start thinking about it, there's a lot of questions you can ask like, wait, witches are just a thing in this world? How does the economy work then? Like, <laughs> stuff like that. I don't know. 
I, I don't care. I don't think that matters. If maybe if I write a sequel, I would explore that, but it doesn't sound interesting to me. The interesting thing to me was to have these characters have their personal journeys and have fun and, and provide something that's fun for the readers. And I'm going to explain everything that I need to explain, but I'm not going to go into details and have like uh, big, big like charts drawn up and everything like a Jonathan Hickman story. No, no, this on Jonathan Hickman. Like he's great. He, he does those like detailed charts. I could never do that. Like, I, I don't, you know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. It's like two different, there are kind of two different approaches to world building. And I feel like the one that we're talking about right now is like, first you create the world with all its details and all of its complexity. And then yeah. you, you put characters in it. But I think the style that, that you've been talking about here that you use is kind of more like you, you start with the characters and then you let the needs of their story kind of shape what you tell the reader about the world. You know, yeah, 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 and then after a while it become, becomes organic because sometimes you're like, okay, well, this world needs to have certain things, so that might can affect what happens in the story and to the characters, but that's not the priority. Like, compared to your story in Embarrassment of Witches, which is such a like, I, I feel like you guys did a much like more detailed <clears throat> world building than I did. <laughs> well, that took us six years to write, we worked on it way too long. Oh, so. really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can tell because it's it's filled to the brim with ideas, like every little page. Mm, oh, thank you. You know, I think that they're, oh, they're, they're very nice complimentary works. And I really think it's kind of cool that like um, this is like a, a, a storytelling place that we're kind of in right now, you know, where we can play with these fantasy worlds and with cool magic concepts and interesting creatures and all that kind of stuff, but still tell really meaningful stories about like people and emotions and relationships if that makes sense yeah i think that's that's ultimately what makes 99 percent of stories great like you can have a really well-built world and like cool drawings or cool special effects but if the story doesn't affect you personally like you don't care about the characters it rarely works you it, it, it's a rare occasion when you watch something and you're like well, the characters suck, the plot suck, but those spaceships were cool. And then you kind of like gonna love it because of that. Like, it, I think it's rare. It happens, but I think more often than not, you watch something and you're gonna love it because you feel for the characters and want them to succeed or don't or just don't want them to fail. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that like, you know, all of the the set dressing stuff can be in its own way impressive or not to like you know as you said like not to diss it because that stuff is all really cool but well, like we're going into that like absolutely yeah i really respect all that yeah absolutely and like it's but i think what what makes it memorable is when those elements are in support of character driven stories you know yeah best well, example I, I can think of is spider verse i think because that's like a gorgeous gorgeous movie but ultimately it's about miles morales's journey and just that that's the main thing you're watching it for yes oh that, that's a perfect example yeah there's I like that movie so much <laughs> oh good it's 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 like just the most the most like breathtaking piece of animation i feel like i've seen in a very very long time and i, I can't it is, it is breathtaking but the story is like so well put together as well yes yeah and the characters have very um 
they're just very real and their remote their relationships all feel like they matter to the story. I think that's an important thing too. Yeah, and there's like six like like three main characters and a couple of additional ones and all have their little journeys they go through. Like brilliant. That's that's something that I always look at as like a prime example of storytelling. It's like you don't feel like it's just functional, like you don't feel like you're going through the steps. It it's it's crammed, it's it's filled to the brim with good stuff. It's almost overflowing. But at the same time, when you watch it, you don't think about that. You just think about like, oh, this character has to achieve this. This character has to achieve that. And I think that's like a very, very good example of how good stories are written in general. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so can I ask you what is uh, what's next for you? Are you working on anything at the moment? Yeah. Yeah. I can't stop working, it seems like, in the last <laughs> couple of years. I feel, I feel like I took a, a long break. And now I'm just kind of overdoing it. But I just finished um, an almost 180-page graphic novel, um, which I'm about to pitch to some publishers. So hopefully someone's going to buy it. (laughs) I was kind of waiting on Donuts and Doom to come out, and then I can use that as a, look, I'm a published author. Would you want to buy my second graphic novel? Uh, So I'm, I'm, I'm about to do that and started working on my third graphic novel. Just a couple of weeks ago. That's great. Well, I I am I am so excited to read the second one. I I wish you luck with the uh with the the search. <laughs> yeah, because I know. Well, thank it, you. Yeah, it's a it's a process, but I really hope we get to see it soon. And I I wanted to thank you so much for coming to talk to our show. I just I really love this book, and I really love talking to other people in comics. It's really great. Well, thank you. very. I'm really glad you liked the book. And thank you very much for having me. And hopefully my ramblings weren't too incomprehensible. (laughs) Not at all. They were very comprehensible. (laughs) Um, Okay. All right, listeners. Um, You can pick up Donuts and Doom as of the publication of this episode. Um, I highly suggest that you do because it's a really good time and just a really beautiful book. Um, For now, we will close this chapter. I'll see you next time. It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for the next episode.